every church to be this kind of a church. So let's take a look at the text. Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of an uncircumcised men, and you even ate with them. Well, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being led down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat. Well, I replied, Surely not, Lord. I, I, I always find that fascinating, to say, Surely not, Lord. If he's Lord, you definitely don't say, Surely not. But he said, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, just as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections, praised God, saying, Go then, or so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. You know, in order for the church today to get beyond just being a nice little social group and getting together, having a good time, and even doing some really good things, but to become an agent of change in our society, in our culture, in our community, in our world, we need to break through three barriers that so often hold the church back. I want us to look at those three barriers today that every church has to deal with. So what are they? Well, first of all, we need to break through the not-one-of-us barrier. Not one of us. When the church growth movement began back in the 60s, and principles of church growth were being taught in seminaries all across the country, the church growth experts analyzed what was going on, and they identified several sociological factors that were common to churches and congregations that were growing. One identifier was that growing churches tend to be homogeneous. In other words, the people in the congregation fit primarily into one cultural group. The experts said that people want to be around people who are like them, who are in the same socioeconomic strata as well. And they talked about, because of this, churches should then develop a target audience to attract the kind of people they want to be in their church. I mean, think about that. You just develop a strategy to bring in the kind of people you want to be there, the kind of people who are like you. Now, 
There are some aspects of this that are okay. But there are some aspects that are absolutely not okay, not biblical whatsoever. You see, truly, there is enough diversity within the church today that you have a right. And you can choose the kind of worship style that you want to be a part of, the kind of fellowship that you'll attend. That's a good thing. For example, if you like liturgical worship with a formal style that includes traditional hymns and candles and robes and and all of that, Well, there is nothing wrong in choosing that style of worship. If you prefer a contemporary approach with a worship band playing new songs and everyone is dressed casually, there is nothing wrong with that. I know of one church that's called the Cowboy Church. And uh, they just bring in a lot of people who come out of a, a different culture. That's the way it is. Nothing wrong. And I thank God today for the diversity that we have in our church. There is nothing wrong with a group of people getting together who simply enjoy the same style of worship. If you say, man, I like to worship with people who enjoy the same kind of worship atmosphere that I do. Who, for example, sing and dance and raise their hands, clap their hands like I do. That's great. That's fine. But, and here's the big deal, friends. If you say, I prefer to worship with people who are of the same race, the same color as me, that is not fine. If you say, I only want to worship with people who are my age, who are as cool as me, have the same income level as I do, and education as I do, that is not fine either. You see, there's no room in the kingdom of God for us to say, that person doesn't fit here, or he's not one of us, or she's not one of us. You see, great churches don't have an us-and-them mentality. Great churches have a us-together, we-together mentality. In fact, turn to someone right now and say, we're together. Just tell them that right now. And we need to understand that. And by the way, I use the term race. How many races are there in our world? One. I saw someone raise the right finger back there. Exactly. There is one race. It's called the human race. How many of you fit into that today? Okay, good. That's a a homogeneous group. That's a good deal. The human race. There's a lot of ethnic groups within that. They're brown, black, blue. Some of us black and blue. There's all kinds of different groups that fit within the context of that. But you know, one race. What color of blood do you have? Red, all the same. The church should be one place in our world where there is no kind of discrimination between different ethnic groups. Say amen. Amen. That was weak. (laughs) The church should be a place where there is absolutely no, uh, none of that stuff. Say amen. Amen. That, now we're talking. Thank you. Thank you. You know, in, in more than 45 years of ministry, I have seen that This isn't the only problem that we deal with, race and ethnicity. More often, it's about social position. There's a church in my community. It's quite a ways from here, a long ways from here. And a friend of mine began to attend in a while back. 
he received an incredibly warm welcome when he arrived, he and his family. Immediately, he and his wife were plugged into some fellowship groups there and Bible studies. His kids were asked to be involved in the children's ministries. And he was asked to help out in this area and that area of the church. And he said how wonderful it was to move to a brand new church like that and be accepted with open arms. He was really impressed. and It sounded great. Well, you know... I happen to know the rest of the story. Another friend of mine tried to attend that same church just a year or so before he did. And she had a completely different experience. She went for a couple months and she was never made to feel at home. And she tried, but she couldn't make any friends and she never got plugged in. And finally, she decided that she needed to go somewhere else to worship. What was the difference? Well, my first friend is an attorney. And he has a winsome personality, flawless conversational skills. He and his wife could be in toothpaste commercials. I mean, they just look great. And their children are almost perfect in every way. My second friend, well... She she doesn't look like she just came off the latest magazine... She only has a high school education. She has a factory job. She doesn't really have good parenting skills, and her kids are not well-dressed or even well-behaved. But she really wanted to make a better life for herself and her kids, and so she tried to attend this church. But it just wasn't going to happen there. There was no warm and caring Christian community to embrace her right away, and so after a while... She just went somewhere else. You see, this wasn't about race and ethnicity. It was about social status. She figured out very quickly that she wasn't one of them. Now, if the church is going to make a difference, and friends, if this church is going to make a difference, by the way, what's the name of this church? Mission Church. That is a heavy-duty name. I don't know if you realize that when you chose that name without saying Mission Valley, but you say, we are Mission Church. You were saying, we are on a church with a mission, big time. And, and you know, if we really are going to make a difference, then we have to realize there is no other group out there. There is no type of person who isn't welcome in our services. There is no one in the world who doesn't fit in here. The natural instinct is for people to naturally want to be around people like themselves. But we're not to be driven by natural instincts. We are to be driven by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And a big difference there. You see, in this church, there should be no such thing as one of them. It should be us all together. In fact, I I saw this demonstrated a, a while back. I was filling in in a church up in San Bernardino. And, and if you know anything about our church there, it's in a very rough area of town. In fact, all of San Bernardino is a pretty rough area, but it's in a really rough area. And uh, I would pray every time I drove in, just, Lord, get me out of here before the day's over. <laughs> Alive! <laughs> I mean, it, but I loved going to that church. 
in any given service. Probably 80% of the people there had been on drugs at one time or another, were going through a, 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 an accountability group and, and just trying to get their lives worked out. They knew they needed Jesus. But you could any service have people just walking off the street. And I still remember this one Sunday morning. I just happened to be sitting there before this service out in the pews and just watching what was going. The worship band was practicing. And this fellow came in, and man, he was not dressed well, and, and he did not smell all that good. He just wasn't all that pretty, so to speak. And this little lady who had been in that church, she had been there for years and years and years, and she was dressed to the hilt, and, and, and she walked down and sat right next to him. And she put her arm around him, and she said, we are so glad that you are here today. And I want you to know that God loves you. And I love you. And we hope that you make this church your home. And you know, that church doesn't have a lot of money. And it's not the biggest church on the block. But that's what church is all about. It's not you or me. It's us together. Turn to someone right now and say, I'm glad you're here today. Just tell them that right now. We must have room for everyone. But there's a second barrier that we need to break. We need to break the barrier of let someone else do it later. That's a big barrier in a lot of churches. Let someone else do it. One of the things I like about this story is God's timing that took place there. Peter's talking about that vision and seeing that sheet filled with animals. And he says in verse 10, this happened three times and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. But notice verse 11, right then, immediately, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was was staying. As soon as God gave Peter the revelation, he gave him the opportunity to put it into practice. As soon as God gave Peter the revelation of what was he was to do, he said, okay, now go for it, Peter. In the same way, you and I can be sure that when God teaches you something, he will give you the chance to do it. You can also be sure that sometimes when he calls you to do something, there will be some who don't feel that you ought to do it. I really admire what Peter did there in this story. When he was invited to go to Cornelius' house, he could have passed the buck. I mean, it would have been so easy for him to say, well, as you know, I'm a Jew, and I can't enter into the house of a Gentile. I need to take this matter up with the leadership back there in Jerusalem. I I wish I could be of more help, but my hands are tied Let's see what they have to say. Now, Peter could have taken that approach, but that's not what he did. Peter knew that by going into the house of a Gentile, he was going to come under fire from some of the leadership in that early church. But he did it anyway because he knew it was the right thing to do. And just like he had told the Sanhedrin back in Acts chapter 5, I must obey God rather than men, he was prepared to say the same thing to the leadership there in Jerusalem. And that's why the Apostle Peter was such a great leader. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But he wasn't afraid to challenge the status quo. And I'm telling you that there are going to be times when God gives you as an individual, and you and us collectively as his church, 
something to do, an opportunity to be an agent of change in your community. And at that moment, you're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to do the right thing? Or am I just going to go along with a group mentality? You know, in recent years, there have been churches who were criticized for wanting to minister to those with HIV. Or those struggling with addictions of some sort. Or those who were just coming in off the streets. And in every case... There had to be a leader who was willing to stand up and say, I am going to do what God has called me to do, whether the rest of you come along or not. God's plans, catch this, friends, aren't always popular. Let me say that again. God's plans aren't always popular. But we need to have the courage to stand and say, I will boldly go where God tells me to go, whether anyone else comes with me or not. Here's a third thing. Another barrier we need to break. We need to break the my mind is made up barrier. My mind is already made up. You see how this chapter begins. Look at verses 1 through 3. The apostles and the other brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of an uncircumcised man and you ate with him. Right here, they're just operating business as usual in their leadership. These people aren't part of our group. In fact, this isn't how we do things around here. We've got a history of doing things differently. What's wrong with the way we've always done it? I mean, you know, if it's old, it's gold. If it's new, it can't be true. And you can be sure of this. Whenever God does something new... There are going to be people who will criticize and complain. There will always be some people, and many times they consider themselves to be spiritual, that will oppose what God is doing. And they'll appeal to history and tradition, and sometimes they can even quote or cite chapter and verse to back up their position. The problem is they so often are taking things out of context and not looking at the whole of Scripture. But God did something in Acts chapter 10 that the leaders in Jerusalem couldn't, couldn't ignore. You see, he did the same thing in Acts 10 that he did back in Acts chapter 2. The exact same thing. You see, all these leaders that were there in Jerusalem that were starting to get on Peter's case, they had all been with Peter in that upper room in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And there they were. They were praying and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and, and tongues of fire came upon them. They began to speak in other languages and praise God. And, and they knew this was miraculous. This was powerful. This was so real. And, and there they were. And, and they knew that they had experienced the presence of the living God. And Peter said, The exact same thing that happened to you at Pentecost happened to these people right there when we were in Cornelius' house. And then he said, in effect, don't just take my word for it. Talk to these other six brothers who were there and saw the exact same thing happen. Look at verse 17. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave to us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? And then an amazing thing happened. I mean, I just love this. Verse 18. When they, the leadership, heard this, and they were going in this direction, when they heard this, they had no further objection. And they praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. 
Do you see what they did there? They turned around. They changed. They moved beyond I'm always right mentality. And they broke down the my mind is already made up mentality. They changed. They adapted. And because they adapted, friends, they guaranteed the success of the church. I'm telling you that God is going to challenge you individually. And God is going to challenge this church collectively to think in new ways of doing things. And he's going to challenge you to be willing to change and do some things differently than you've ever done before, but always within the context of Scripture. You see, the exclusion of the Gentiles was never based on Scripture. It was based on a historical misapplication of Scripture. We don't want to do that. We want to be faithful to what the Bible teaches. And we also want to challenge when, when the word is twisted and manipulated and always stand up for what the Bible says. God has a way of confirming his word. You know, when we're faithful to his word and we do what he's called us to do, the results will speak for themselves. And what are those results? Just a couple of things. God will be glorified and people's lives will be changed. When we do what God has called us to do, God will be glorified and people's lives will be changed. How many of you think that would be a pretty good church? If lives were being changed and God was glorified. If we get that down, we can move to the next step. You know, we need to explore the possibility. And I'm speaking to myself here as well. That maybe we, just maybe, we don't know everything about what it means to do church. Maybe we need to explore the possibility that some of our strategies and some of our program and some of our methods of outreach, God wants to change and maybe do things a different way. Maybe they aren't taking us the direction God wants us to go. We need to explore the possibility that God is challenging us to get out of the box and do something in a new way. You know, Jesus is the great I am, not the great I was. And too often we see him, you know, Jesus, same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, his methods change. The message is always the same, but he's the great I am, not the great I was. And he's contemporary. He's right here. He's doing things, and he wants us to find out what he's doing. You know, Peter's meeting with the Jewish leaders was a defining moment for the church. Because they made the courageous decision to put obedience to God and faithfulness to the Word of God before everything else. I said earlier that their decision shaped the destiny of the church. But maybe it didn't. Maybe it only shaped their destiny. I mean, think about it. I have a feeling that uh, God was going to get his point across anyway. I have a feeling that God was going to be able to do what he wanted with or without them. How many of you know God is probably sharper than the person sitting next to you? (laughs) And he's more powerful. I mean, think about it. God is going to get his thing done one way or the other. And so often we say, Lord, here's what I want to do. Come bless it. Sometimes we need to stop and say, Lord, what are you doing? I want to bless it. And you know, when we get in step with God, we move a lot faster and farther than when we say, Lord, just come bail me out. I want to encourage us as a church to do what God has called us to do and and look to see what God is doing. Um, I, I went from a church that was on the cutting edge of 
praise and worship and music, and we had all these big conferences and stuff going there. And I left that church and went to a, a small church that, that was really, really way back in the dark ages in worship style. That's just the way it was. But I knew God had called me. And uh, I wanted to go in there and, and just change everything. And just really change it and make it right because I knew it was right. But God convicted me of that. And he said, you know, this is not the same group that you had up there. You need to find out what I am doing and want to do here. Well, <laughs> it took me a while to work through that. But I did. And uh, I worked with our staff. And, and, and over a period of time, we moved more towards what we had been up in, in Pismo Beach at the church there. But we never became Pismo Beach. But we became the church God wanted us to be right there. And what I'm saying is that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God wants to do some great things here. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the biggest church or the richest church. But you can be the best church that you can be when you're in step with him. I hate to stand up and cry in front of people. <laughs> you know, grown men don't eat a quiche or cry. But tomorrow, uh, the district superintendent asked me to uh, give the pastor's report for the church here. I've only been here a short amount of time. And so they, all the churches have written up kind of a history, and the pastors are doing that. But he asked me to do a, a, a report from a little different perspective as an interim. And so I'm going to share. I'm the interim pastor. I've been here all the way since Easter Sunday morning. I'm called the interim pastor. But, you know, interim is not the operative word. Pastor is the word. And so God has called me to be your pastor. And you to be my people. And during this time, just do what he wants us to do. And work together as a team. He's got this whole thing worked out. But I do know this. He wants us to, to not just tread water during this time. He wants us to get into high gear. And I believe he wants this church just floating along and moving so fast that when the new guy comes, he's going to just sweat trying to catch up with where you are. <laughs> you see, I think of the Apostle Paul. And he spent sometimes a week or two, a few months, at the most, maybe two or three years at a church, and then went on. But, you know, everywhere he went, something happened. And I believe that that's what God wants for his church. But I am asking you to, to just let God 
break down some of the barriers that maybe have been built up. And just really be open. You see, God isn't looking for the sharpest apple in the barrel. He's just looking for people who are open and available and willing to do what he wants us to do. And so he wants us to break down those barriers that we built up. And I I just sense that that's what you want to do.